It's the Super 90s Brothers! Lieutenant Dan got me invested in some kind of fruit company. So then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. You know, one less thing. Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers. Where we do hazy memory riffs on the most far out decade ever. I'm your host, Brendan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler. And today we're talking about Forrest Gump. Ow! Oh, man. I've been waiting for this day to do this movie. I cannot believe we haven't done this movie yet. There's a lot of 90s shit that is like, I can't believe we haven't done this yet. And it, it, it's a testament to how rich the 90s were. Truly. Have we even done a Tom Hanks movie yet? I don't know if we have. No, we did A League of Their Own. Oh, um, that's not a, I wouldn't consider that a Tom Hanks. I mean, he's in it, obviously. You'd consider it a Gina Davis movie. Yes. I consider it a, a Penny Marshall movie. I consider um, it a Madonna, R- Rosie O'Donnell joint. But, uh. It's been a while, Adam. How, how are you doing? I'm fine. It's uh, it's beautiful in uh, where I live mm-hmm. in the Bay Area in February. I'm getting word that it's shitty where you live and uh, elsewhere. It's cold anyway. But um, did I notice that you got your ears pierced? Did you go to Claire's? I got. I went to Claire's. I went to Silver Safari in Spokane. Um, <laughs> I got my ears pierced. Pierced. My ears pierced. Do you remember in the '90s you'd get like I can't remember which year it was, but if you got one ear pierced, it meant you were gay. That was the theory, yes. I got them because, you know, I, I like the, the style. I like having my ears pierced. My son has his ears pierced. He was wanting to take them out. And I don't think he's getting made fun of or anything. He just didn't want to. He's like, no one else has them. And I'm like, well, I can, ha- I can get ears pierced. Like, and then you'll, you'll be you like me. go to school with him and hang exactly. out and play around with him. And I'm just, now I'm just a lot cooler because I have my ears pierced. And it was something I've always wanted to do. I just never did it. Are you going to ear- pierce your ears, Adam? Is that something you're thinking about doing? It? No, I'm not really a piercing kind of guy if, if i was going to pierce something it would definitely be a genital oh not nipples no no mm. i no i don't no it wouldn't work on my my style of nipple <laughs> uh, i don't have the nipples to pull that off okay oh well, I'm, I'm considering it for the nipple yeah the nipple or a navel if i was if i had to get one i think i'd get eyebrow oh that's interesting i've been yeah. actually considering getting my nose pierced now too so wow, you're you're a regular Prince Albert here in a couple months. I, I'm don't get that reference. Okay, well, some of our audience will. Oh, think it's I get really the, I get that reference now. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm a, I'm a little slow up to the to the take. So yeah. So uh, li- listen, if if you guys are have been slow to the take of giving us five star reviews, shame on you. But now's your opportunity to give us those sick bomb, fine ass five star reviews on Apple iTunes Music that we strive for. Um, check us out online review us rate us tell us how amazing brennan's ears look and what a nice dad gesture it was to make sure his son didn't feel um isolated in his ear piercing or get online and give us five stars because you think that the 90s were badass like we do 
Uh, reach out to us if you want to hear more about specific 90s topics that are not already in our vast library of over mm. 70 episodes, I might point out, by emailing us at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. You can, follow, you can add us at super90sbrothers. Brennan is at spocastpods. You can check out my shit on adampitzler.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. So definitely reach out. That's, I mean, you guys know the drill at this point. If you're listening to podcasts, just do it. Like, that, why do you think people keep asking you? It's because we want you to do it. Yeah. Reach out, send us some emails and uh, give us some show topics. We, uh, you know, we love interacting with our listeners. Send us your nipple piercings, either sex. Yes. I, I mean, I will not, I, I don't want to, mm, yeah. I don't actually want to go any further with that. <laughs> You'll just look at the pictures. Right. All right. So uh, speaking of the 90s, we I stumbled across an amazing song mm. to open today's show. You know, we always play uh, the tunes of the time. Play the drop, Brennan. It's the tunes of the time. Oh, yeah. Tunes of the time. Yeah. We do this because we want you guys to get in a state of mind of what it was like at the time that the topic was out. So now I want you all to close your eyes, travel back in time for a moment, picture yourself. It's June. It's 1994. You're in your you're in your mom's old car. You're on the way to the movies. You're sneaking in some fucking Cracker Jacks or whatever you like. And the radio starts playing. Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones. Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. That was Regulate by Nate Dog and Warren G. Ow! Wow, that, man, Adam, that brings back some memories of me and you driving to Seattle. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> regulate is maybe, it's, I mean, it's in my, like, top five all-time favorite, like, hip-hop songs. What about you? What, what, uh, what would you? how? What's your top number that you could safely slide it under? Like, is it in your top 20 safely? I mean, there's so many hip-hop songs, but definitely top, yeah, 10. I mean, it, this song is like when you think of nostalgia, like this takes me to this is even nostalgia. Like, I listen to this song now and this like jam out to it, like sing to it, like transcends time, actually. It's in my opinion, like it does, it, it's in that 90s totally time, but like it, it, I mean, this song could come out today and it would be amazing. It's timeless. Yeah. When I was in my 20s, I would, I'd listen to this bumping down the road and now I listen to it when I'm like, you know, cleaning my fish tank. I don't really remember this song at the time. Like, I mean, it definitely was around, like actually watching the video was, it doesn't bring back any memories I've ever seen. And I don't actually know if the song was very popular. I mean, I, obviously it was popular. It was on one of the top hits of the time, but yeah, I just, I don't remember it that well, but I have listened to it continuously since, since the nineties. Sure. Yeah. I, I think I, I was about 15 when I decided I really liked this song, which would have been, you know, another another five years after it came out or so. So I was, I was a little late to the game myself, but mm -hmm. you know, when I was 10, 11 years old, I wasn't listening to a lot of hip hop, but it was, you know, this song's badass. but you know, the, you just talked about the video. It's got a real low budget video. It's uh, it's mostly just them singing intercut with some brief action shots. The song's opening quote was from the movie young guns with Emilio Estevez. 
uh, randomly. Don't you think that's so odd that they would like steal a young, like a like a white guy '80s Western movie was was their opening quote? Don't you think that is weird? Yeah, it's so out of, just out of left field. This song has 273 million views on YouTube right now for their official video. And when I was listening to their official YouTube video, YouTube bleeped out the words strap and clip. I best pull out my bleep and lay them busters down. And, but they're still talking about hookers and shit later. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. It's stupid. That's a dumb. Um, that's a dumb. Uh, when Forrest Gump came out, Regulate was the number three song at the time. But Brennan, why don't you go back to our story now? <laughs> well, I mean, there was a time where me and Adam... You know, we're making the rounds at karaoke bars. And for whatever reason, me and you decided that we should do this as a karaoke song. Like, this is a good duo karaoke song. There's not too many, like, like two straight dudes duets that doesn't sound odd. Like, th- like this is one of very few. Yeah. And I don't remember if I got the Nate dog or if you got the Nate dog, but I, I think I probably got the rap. Yeah, I just shit the bed when we went to go record it. When we went to go when we went to the studio to record this when we went to the karaoke bar to sing it, but I remember you're us ruining the story. You're fucking up the synopsis like you always do, Brennan. Well, you're right. I'm doing this out of order. But on our we were driving to Seattle. We must have been going to a Seahawks game. I'm sure we had plans to go to a karaoke bar that night. We decided to listen to this song over and over and over again on our drive, practicing our parts. We thought we were doing a really good job nailing it. And then, yeah, when it came to performing, I just couldn't get it up, for lack of a better term. Yeah, so we, we didn't, like, meet at each other's house to rehearse it or anything. We were no. already in the car. It came up. We knew we were going to karaoke bar. It happened very organically. It was like, we should karaoke this song because we both like talked about how much we loved it. So we practiced it. We had it down. Like We both knew the words. We both had our parts. We had it fucking down. Mm. And we showed up that night, and Britain's not even drunk. Like You've had one, maybe two like beers, like mm. not even like cocktails. And we get up, and we're, we're at some bar in Spokane, up on the top floor, all I remember is like Steve Gurney was there, Jill was there, Abby was there, somebody else. Yeah. And um, the rap starts, and like Brennan like freezes up like a six year old at his like first grade play. Like he just like he like he like forgets all his lines. Mm. Yeah. It's the effect of singing along to a song, and when you sing along to a song, and you have the the backing of the the lyrics like you sound better because you have the words there when it comes to then rapping over (laughs) over a a song with no words like you have to do that as quick as warren g and i was not doing it as quick as him like i just couldn't do it like you couldn't even remember the lines dude you were like like i said you were like a kid that like didn't want to be in the school playing i want redemption i think i could do this better now yeah well if they ever open up karaoke bars in 19 years maybe we can go (laughs) karaoke bars are still around aren't they i actually haven't been to one yeah that was regulate by nate dog and warren g brennan brennan had a tough time that night at karaoke but you know speaking of gangsters pulling out straps and laying them bustas down today's movie stars the og alabama gangster forrest gump yeah forrest gump this is this is 90s for me like forrest gump was just a movie that always i just watched all the time in the 90s it was always in the it was always in the VCR like we had this it was there do you did you go see this movie in the theaters Adam no I I was a little young I I don't remember being especially drawn to it as like a 10 year old what given the way that it was like Oscar bait you know it mm. was very like 
this is such a great movie. It's so dramatic. You know, I wanted to go watch Last Action Hero. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it, it wasn't like a big draw for me the way it was marketed, but I, I did see it like the first weekend it came out on video. Like my parents rented it. And they're like, Adam, I don't know what you think, but you're really going to like this. So they rented it for me and I watched it. So that, that's sort of like how I happened upon it. Did you see in the theater? I didn't see in the theater. So 1994 was a really weird summer for a young Brennan. My family, we moved from Spokane to Chicago. And there was this like, we had, I think we left in May. We lived in like St. Louis or near St. Louis um, for a couple months while my parents renovated a house in Chicago. And and I didn't didn't see any movies that summer really. I mean, except for like Lion King and maybe a couple other movies. But yeah, I just remember seeing this, the movie poster because it's the movie poster is very you know, I, I can just visualize it's a white poster with Tom Hanks sitting on a bench and you would just see it everywhere, like at the movie theaters. And it was, just, it was around and everyone at the time, like, you, I mean, Tom Hanks was becoming Tom Hanks, you know, everyone's favorite actor. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't see it, but like I said, I, I definitely remember watching it a lot as a child. Okay. And so, so the first time you watched it, do you remember your initial impressions? No, I'm trying to think. I, I feel like I have like vague memories of like sitting in front of the TV watching it with my dad. I really like these storytelling type of movies where it's just, it's a history. Like it, you know, there's a, a long time frame of, there's a lot of content in this movie where I just kind of fell in love with like the story of it. So I don't really have any great memories, but I just. Well, I, I remember my first time, like I remember we, we had moved into this, it was like my favorite apartment we ever lived in. Mm in Renton. And I, it was my favorite because I think I've mentioned this on the show before. It was the apartment where my parents got me the Sega channel. Oh yeah. And it was That's also sick. the year of the 95 Mariners. Mm. So it was like, it was like the best year of my life was like 1995 as a kid. Gotcha, yeah. And that's when I saw it. So the movie came out in June 94, but I didn't see it till early 95 or whenever it came out on video, which would have been like, you know, probably like nine months later in those days. Yeah. So probably like March, like spring no, 95. It was been, been later because I found out this crazy stat for Forrest Gump. This movie was in the theaters for 42 weeks. Whoa, that's almost a year. Yeah, like it was in the movie theater forever. And the movies don't sit in theaters for longer than a, a month now. Like, I mean, or maybe two months if it's really good. Forrest Gump. Um, so whenever I saw it, my like I said, my mom and Dan, they rented it and they brought it home. And like the three of us watched it together upstairs. Um, and I remember like, I remember like the whole viewing experience. I remember like where I was sitting, I remember where they were sitting. I remember there was like, I remember asking them questions about the movie. And I remember like generally like, I remember being kind of like a little pessimistic, like shithead kind of like, oh, this movie's going to suck. It's for old people. But then like, you know, like 10 minutes in, it's like, wow, I like this movie a lot. And mm -hmm. then just like glued to it and like loved it and watched it again before we like returned to the video store. And it was just, it's sort of like my first memory of, of that apartment, which was like my favorite apartment we lived in growing up. So I don't know, I've got this weird little Forrest Gumpy attachment. So Forrest Gump's budget was a, was a pretty big 55 million for 94. That's a big budget, but it box officed 678 million to date, dude, 678 million for like a drama about like, an Alabama man who's a little slow. I don't know how it did so well. Like, I don't get it, that part of it. Like, I feel there's a lot of movies in the 90s that came out, especially that summer, that I feel like could have done better, but for whatever reason, they didn't. America just latched onto it. So it was it was based on a novel by Winston Groom, who I, I've, who I have not read. Have you read him? 
No, I, I've, I've read a lot about like the history of this book and how it got made into a movie and like how the characters is completely different. So before we get to that, we got to give me my favorite part of the show. Great. Brennan's bad synopsis! Yay! <laughs> There's no good way to, exp to give a synopsis for this movie. What do you mean? Of course there is. Oh. You're already off to a bad start. You're giving a bad synopsis of what a synopsis is. <laughs> Basically, the movie's about this Forrest Gump. Like, it's, it's he's... <laughs> he's a, you said it. He's an Alabama man who goes through life and he finds himself in a bunch of weird occurrences of like history of through the sixties and seventies uh, and runs into this many, many celebrities or public figures. And he, the, you know, the, the basis synopsis is, is his, a love story with his Robin Wright, Jenny and their love story and how they, and how he's always trying to, how he's always trying to, you know, find a way to be with her and like he's always trying to date and, up and, into that and impress her and be with her and you know there's a lot that goes on through that he goes through his you know time in college to his time in going into vietnam to his time after vietnam and it's all basically surrounding and then the movie then shifts from going in the past to present time and now meeting his son who jenny just drops on him like by the way forrest you have a son and it's, I haven't uh, told you in ten years. And, <laughs> and, uh, and his son is played randomly by, you know, Haley Joel Osment, and then she dies, and she dies of some unnamed disease that has caused a bunch of controversy. Apparently, then the movie ends, and now we're waiting on Forrest Gump two with uh, Haley Joel Osment. Is that a thing? I know, but it should be. Oh, you you're always like <laughs> dropping the awful Hollywood sequel that's coming on our podcast, and I'm always like, oh god. So I I totally thought you were being serious but even this, though Haley Joe Osmond looks like an apple <laughs> but this movie doesn't really need a synopsis every I feel like everyone knows this movie like and if you you, you know not you you always make that mistake and I would always remind you to our international listeners who specifically listen to the super 90s brothers to get an idea of what American culture was like what we were into and like what we liked and not all of them have no I'm not saying I want you to redo it I just want you to remember that the audience is bigger than just like, you know, your mom. Sorry. Sorry, Judy. Sorry that Adam's calling you out. But um, you're right. I, 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 this is such a hard movie to, to describe, though. Like, it's not like a good synopsis movie. And I'm not going to, like, trudge through a bad synopsis no, just to like. No, no, well, it is a good synopsis movie. You're not a good synopsis giver. That's that's fair. Is is why we make you give bad. Like, you're. that's the point of the bad synopsis. Well, I will. You know, try better next time. I'm just. I'm, <laughs> I don't want you, to, want you to crash and burn, so I can throw darts at it from afar. <laughs> that's that's how this rolls. I'm sorry. Well, I I'm, I'm not giving it to you today. Moving on to the characters. I mean, obviously, Tom Hanks is Forrest Gump, the the titular role. So, hey, let me list you like Tom shit that mm. Tom Hanks was famous for around that time. Big, The Burbs, League of Their Own, Philadelphia, Sleepless in Seattle, Toy Story. Green Mile, Castaway. I left off like three or four others that people like. Like this dude, this dude was for like Tom Hanks was the '90s. You know what I mean? Like he was just he was fucking it. Oh my yeah, I mean the his credits in the '90s are it's just a hit list. He goes from a League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle, yeah, Philadelphia, which you didn't mention, Apollo 13. Yeah, and Tom Hanks was the '90s. He was the '90s, and he was Forrest Gump. Hello. My name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. Do you want a chocolate? 
I could eat about a million and a half of these. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Good quote. I yeah, I would argue probably the one of the most famous quotes of the 90s um, or even in cinema. I think it's been often repeated and it's, it's in the lexicon of just quotes that people just say all the time now. It's very relatable. Who hasn't bitten into a shitty like cherry fucking chocolate and you're like, oh, yeah, or, or a coconut. coconut. Yeah, you <laughs> want a caramel and you get the fucking coconut and you want to throw up afterward. I mean, that scene really just sets up what you're about to expect from this entire movie from this character. I, it is one of those things that like, it's so Forrest Gump is so well known as what it is now. Like I would just love to just watch that movie, that scene again and just experience it for the first time because it is a really good opening scene to really set the stage for what you're about to watch. Yeah, the movie's like a box of chocolates, isn't it? It really is, Adam. It really is like a bo box of chocolates. Yeah, Ginny's the coconut. I, do you want to get into like the who's who's who of who should have played Forrest? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this is I think this is funny. It's funny that the person that their the producer's first choice was John Travolta, mm -hmm. who declined. Thank God for everyone and the movie. Not for John Travolta. He said he like regrets it, but like for everyone else, thank God. I, could you imagine like John Travolta, Mister Cotto? He said life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. Like it's, it's it's terrible, or even like John Travolta going like, 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 I we got to figure out what we're gonna call Forrest because you're not supposed to call him like handicapped. You're not supposed, like like in um in the movie Tropic Thunder, I think they they crassly said you never want to go full retard. We're obviously not gonna we're not gonna say that. So we, a simple man, a simple I think a simple man's work. I mean I think an I mean an idiot. Makes sense too. I mean, he yeah, is a, Leonard Skinner's kind of, a simple man. Yeah, and he's definitely a simple man. So John Travolta's already a simple man. So it's hard for him to like pull off playing a simple man as if, and it, like, it's harder than you think. Like Tom Hanks, you know, in an intellectual. Right. Other other actors that were considered Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Sean Penn. I, I don't know what happened with those, but for, like Forrest was described as like an idiot, a man of low IQ, but but he's not he's not disabled. He's mm. just, he's just a little slow. Tom Hanks nails that part of it. Like he doesn't come, like when I was watching it yesterday, like I didn't think Forrest ever came across as mentally disabled. You kind of think he's just dumb, you know, like he's just, there might be a lot of people like this, you know, there are probably, not probably, there are a lot of people like this in America. <laughs> There's a ton of people like this. And I, I think that's why it's kind of relatable. Like Forrest is like everyone, you know, except that he's nice and successful. Um, I want to go back to John Travolta real quick. Mr. Cotta. So John Travolta declined this role. Do you know if, had he accepted this role, would he have not been in Pulp Fiction? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't dig that deep in the the, the Google vortex. But um, gosh, it, I, I, I got to know. I want to know that now, just because I feel like if John Travolta would have been in Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, I don't. Obviously, Forrest Gump would be different. But that that's a that's crazy to think about. He would have ruined Forrest Gump. He would have. Though, he would have ruined Forrest Gump. I'm surprised. Um, one of the people that wasn't on that list was Michael Keaton, um, just because of how popular he was in the early '90s. Yeah, that would have been a, a much better choice. And then, uh, why don't you do the next character, Brennan? Robin Wright. Is she pinned yet? I'm not sure. She has not been pinned. Is she pinned now? No, she left the pen. I know she left Sean Penn, but like she's now just Robin Wright. Right. Thank you. 
<laughs> why don't you introduce her? Like she's just yeah, why don't I just do the show by myself? Yeah, you're, why don't you do it? <laughs> then we already we already did, but like we didn't already do this character, but like, yeah, introduce her. Just let her you are better at doing this than me. All right. Robin Wright pen, hasn't been penned yet. Jenny, she was uh the princess and princess bride, most famously. She was also in the movie Toys and Beowulf. Real quick, there was this girl at my bank that I worked, and she thought Shia LaBeouf's name was Shia LaBeowulf. <laughs> Which I still giggle about to this day whenever I see the word Beowulf. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf should change his name to Shia LaBeowulf. I agree. <laughs> so anyway, um, Jenny is sort of a sad character. She's a, a girl who's traumatized, suffering abuse at the hands of her like drunken redneck um, Alabama man father. There was this there was this South Park thing <laughs> called Alabama Man. Do you remember that? Alabama man. He yes. drinks, he bowls, he beats his wife. Alabama man. Uh yeah, I, I think uh I think Jenny's father encapsulated that perfectly. Yeah, he did. He was Alabama man from South Park. And uh anyway, so she sort of when she's old enough, she like runs away because she's all fucked up and she like tries to find herself in the 70s, the the time of love and sex and you know, free spirit and hippies and smoking weed. But she gets mixed up with uh, the kind of element that hangs around that sort, you know, assholes, druggies, hippies, like I said, and people with hepatitis C. <laughs> the other thing she does is she friend zones Forrest really early on. She's got like one good guy in her life. And like every sort of like fucked up hot girl you've ever met, she doesn't recognize that he's good for her. And she like doesn't want him. She wants guys to give her hepatitis C instead. So she friend zones Forrest until she's a dying single mother and he's a shrimp billionaire. And then she comes back in his life. But we'll get to that later. Uh, what I think is more interesting is some of what you're talking about earlier about the the translation from novel to film. Mm. A lot of Forrest's dark, harder, rougher elements that he has in the novel, most of those bad qualities got passed on to Jenny in the film, mm. which I thought was sort of a, an interesting choice. So what do you think? Forrest Gump gets hepatitis C in the book? <laughs> Yeah, Forrest Gump is going to San Francisco and getting plowed, and getting hepatitis C by all these hippie dudes out in a field outside of Berkeley. Something that struck me when I was watching this movie yesterday is just like how these two people were lived in the same, like lived so close to each other, but like have totally separate, different lives. And how like Forrest experiences all the good in that. And I guess Robin Wright kind of experiences a lot of the bad in that. Well, I think it's a better statement on parenting, don't you? Like uh, yeah, that's Forrest true. Gump, despite all his flaws, he had this mother that really loved him and really like taught him to be strong and independent and, and taught him to take care of people that he loved. And Jenny didn't have any of that. And that like, even though she had all those natural born gifts, like a, like a full, a fully functional brain, like she didn't have anybody to nurture her along the way. And in fact, she had something worse. She had like a, a shit bag dad who was going to, you know, damage her. Mm. I, one thing that I really thought I was thinking about yesterday when I was watching it was how Jenny went to college. I don't think she would have gone to college because she's a woman. Yes. But like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> well, why not? What, why and, not? What are you saying? It was the seventies. Like not everyone's going to college in the seventies and like a, a woman from like a broken home and like in the seventies in Alabama is not going to college. Probably. Maybe she, she 
maybe she loaded up on debt and went to study, you know, liberal arts or some shit. Um, you know, I mean, it's fair. I just like it just seemed off to me. Like, I guess I guess I guess I could see that. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't seem to come from the class system of the 70s that had the financial means or even the right the like, sort of mental forecasting to get your kids thinking, OK, you need, higher education is important. You know? Right. The other other piece of that of her becoming a hippie and all that stuff like that made sense. Well, For Forrest has a pretty good narration of that, which we should play for. She told me about all the traveling she'd done and how she discovered ways to expand her mind and learn how to live in harmony, which must be out west somewhere because she made it all the way to California. Hey! Anybody want to go to San Francisco? I'll go. Far up! It was a very special night. So yeah, I mean, Ginny's the love interest, but this is Forrest's show. Like Forrest is opening the band. Forrest is the lead singer of the band and Ginny is like, you know, she's part of the concert. But like this is, this movie's, I don't know, 85% Forrest Gump. Yeah, I mean, I think Forrest Gump is in almost every scene of this movie, except for the scenes where they're showing Ginny and her in like montage scenes of like what she's up to. Here's Ginny and all the shit she's getting into, basically. The next main character was Gary Sinise, who plays Lieutenant Diane, who's a lot of people's favorite character in this movie. Lieutenant, so Gary Sinise had like a meteoric rise to fame in the 90s. Like this dude was doing like, like shitty community theater mm. in like 1990. And then suddenly he gets cast in Of Mice and Men, which becomes a hit with him and John Malkovich. Mm. And from there, like Gary Sinise's career just really takes off. The other things he did in the 90s were Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks, Brennan mentioned. He was in the miniseries The Stand, which I've talked about a few times, The Quick and the Dead, and, and a few others. Gary Sinise was was great. And Lieutenant Dan's a, a great character, don't you think? Lieutenant Dan was his his sergeant, right? Like, well, he was a sergeant. lieutenant. He was, he was a lieutenant. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan was a sergeant. That you gotta save that drop for us. Like I want to use that in the future when you talk, when you act like you know anything about anything. Uh, you thought Lieutenant Dan was a sergeant. <laughs> oh man, no, I was thinking of a drill sergeant. Uh, anyways, he's he comes from a long line of people who've died in wars. Like his grandfather died in World War Two. His great grandfather died in World War One. His great great grandfather died in the Civil War. Like his. Uh, trajectory was to die in the Vietnam War. Proudly. And I mean, that's really all there is about Lieutenant Dan. In the but then in the movie, obviously, Forrest doesn't let that happen. And he saves Lieutenant Dan. And that kind of brings them together for the rest of the movie. We'll go back to the, the war for a minute. One of the more powerful scenes in Forrest Gump mm. is uh, Forrest Gump's in the army. And we he befriends all these people like Bubba and Lieutenant Dan and some other people in his little like squad or his platoon or whatever you call it. Mm. And they're all out walking through Vietnam in the jungle. And suddenly like Charlie's on top of them and they're like shooting them everywhere. And they get pinned down and all his buddies are getting shot and killed and then somebody calls in a napalm strike because that's where like the charlie nest is mm. and forrest gump gets shot in the ass but he's still mobile and forrest gump proceeds to like rescue like four or five people including lieutenant dan from the bush like he's he's finding his fallen brothers picking them up and running them to the shore to safety out of napalm's way and it's this really like intense dramatic scene where Forrest is like running through the jungle carrying each of them and Charlie's shooting at him and fire bombs are going off in the back. And uh, 
he brings them all to, to safety. But unfortunately, when he brings Bubba back, Bubba, Bubba has been fatally shot. And we'll get to Bubba here in a minute. Mm. But Gary Sinise lives, but he loses his legs. He becomes a um, a cripple. He calls himself a cripple. Um, he becomes an amputee, there's right? There's nicer ways to put that. But yeah. he calls himself a cripple. Like he he's a cripple. Yeah. That's, that's how he starts identifying, uh, at least for this period of time in his life. Mm-hmm. So one thing uh, before we move off, Lieutenant Dan, was I found out that Joe Pesci was was like kind of a leading candidate for this role. Joe Pesci and John Travolta sounds like such a shitty pair. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine this movie with John Travolta and Joe Pesci? That's like I can't imagine us doing a podcast about it 28 years later. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But Joe Pesci was, you know, obviously coming off an Academy Award and uh, my cousin Vinny. I guess. I don't know. He's, he doesn't he doesn't have the body of a of a lieutenant to me. Like he... Gary Sinise was perfect for this role. But, you know, the one thing I always was confused about when I watched this movie is Forrest is in, you know, he's in the hospital for getting shot in the butt. This is also where he famously learns how to play ping pong. And then one day Forrest Gump wakes up and then Lieutenant Dan is out of the hospital. Did he just get transferred somewhere else or did recover faster? They said they sent him home. Oh, well, it seems weird that Forrest Gump was in the hospital for longer than uh, Lieutenant Dan. I think if you have a soldier who's lost his legs, the military, and this is just me projecting what I would do as a business person. I've never been in the military. I wish one of us was a veteran. We could speak of this a little more intelligently. But if you're in the military and there's a war going on and one of your soldiers has lost his both his legs, he's no longer a soldier that's worth a damn, really. Mm. So you might as well send him home. Whereas Forrest could theoretically recover and rejoin and and it, and help out the effort, you know? That makes sense. Um, so that's my theory. Yeah, let's get into the rest of the cast real quick. Like, and These are all people that are lightly in the movie um sally field is famously in this movie as forrest gump's mom mrs gump sally field and tom hanks are i believe the same age or close to the same age so like that was but she doesn't really i don't think she really does much in the movie for me like she it seems weird that sally field like such a big actress at the time was in kind of such a like a minor role i understand why they did it for the chemistry between her and tom hanks but i just yeah i didn't really get it we mentioned Haley joel osmond as uh, forrest gump jr Cast off a Pizza Hut Pizza Hut commercial. Was he really? Some kind of pizza commercial. It might not have been Pizza Hut, but yeah, the producers saw him in a Pizza Hut commercial. They um, said that kid's cute. This role could have been played by anybody, so I think they could have gone with uh, Macaulay Culkin. That would have been cool. Your answer for every child <laughs> actor in every '90s movie is, I think Macaulay Culkin could have done it. Would the movie would have been better with Macaulay Culkin? Like you're like basic Macaulay Culkin fanboy. Oh, I love Macaulay Culkin. He's great. He's not actually like he did a couple of movies that everyone loved at the time, and then he did a bunch of shit. I stand by my statement that you Macaulay, stand by that Macaulay you stand Culkin by getting would, even with Dad makes a better John Connor than uh, Edward Furlong. Yeah, it's another bad take. Anyway, so but then Bubba, who is befriends Forrest in uh when in boot camp, is played by McKelty Williamson, who's famously in uh, Free Willy. I don't really know anything else uh, McKelty Williamson has been in. He was in a season of Justified. He was pretty cool. He was like not really a bad guy, but he was sort of like an unsavory type. I don't mm. know. He was. He's a pretty good actor. Oh, he was also in one of the Purge movies. He was in the good Purge sequel. There's one Purge sequel that's good, and he was in it. It's like it takes place almost entirely in like this little convenience store that he owns and is defending from the Purge. So he's a good actor. Yeah. And then um, I found out that some very famous African-American actors turned down the role of Bubba, including Dave Chappelle, Ice Cube, and even David Allen Greer. And they all said no. Dave Chappelle has lamented that decision also. I wonder if Ice Cube has lamented that decision as well. Um, His career turned out fine. That's fine. That's true. Well, Dave 
Chappelle's career has turned out fine. I, I can't see Dave Chappelle in that role. No. He no. was much better as uh, the black sheriff in Robin Hood Men and Tights. Much better choice. So uh, this one time, we were bullshitting about Forrest Gump in college. And <laughs> me and Brennan and someone else were talking about how Haley Joel Osment was in Forrest Gump and how he played Little Forrest. And Brennan was like screaming at us, swearing up and down. Haley Joel Osment isn't in Forrest Gump. He didn't play Little Forrest. We're wrong. We're stupid. We don't know anything. So we, and we bet something. Like I can't, it was like 10 bucks. It was like, you know, it was something. We get on the fucking internet and we show, okay, look, Brennan, you're like categorically wrong. Like you mm. were just wrong in this situation. And rather than just being like, wow, I was wrong. He like changes the argument. He says, no, no, no. I, I wasn't talking about that character. I was talking about some other character that no one else was talking about. He was talking about like Forrest Gump, like little Forrest Gump at the beginning. I was like, yeah, we kept saying little for like little Forrest, Forrest Gump. Like, what do you want? Like, I remember this argument. I really thought you were talking about young Forrest, not his son. The point is, we were saying Haley Joel Osment was, was the character. You were saying he wasn't even in the movie. You know, I can't remember that. Well, since you can't remember, I'll fill in, I'll fill in the details Please for all of our do. listeners. He Welshed. That's my point. Okay. You Welshed. You and whoever is probably, I know who the other person probably was. So I'll, I'll, we think about it. We talk, we text about it. I'll go, uh, I'll, I'll go give him $10 right now. You're not going to give it to me? No, I'm going to give it to him. Out of spite. <laughs> Out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i mean good really good supporting cast mm -hmm. really good ensemble we'll call it but you know this movie is i think if i was to criticize this movie a little bit it's that it's it's very episodic it feels like force gump should have been six 20 minute episodes of a tv show rather than like an hour and 20 minute movie or whatever that adds up to like it's he goes from A to B to C to D to E, and a lot of them don't really have any, like A doesn't have a lot to do with C or D and vice mm. versa. And it's, most movies have like a, like a grand flow. There's like one grand central plot going on. And yeah. That's not really Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is very eclectic and all over the place. I, could, I think the way I see it is like they use all those pieces in the movie to kind of just transition to the next part of the movie. Like he transitions from being a kid to playing football at Alabama and then that transitions him to going to, to the Vietnam War. And then they transition from the Vietnam War, getting whatever Medal of Honor and that scene at the, with the president. And then they transition that to him working on the boat. And so, like, I think they use those scenes as a way to kind of give time to the movie. They're all. I get that. It's just I'm telling you, like, as a writer, it's a little bit of a faux pas. Like, you're not you're not really supposed to do that. Somehow Forrest Gump did it and everybody loved it anyway. Like no, nobody seems to have a problem with it. And it's, it, I guess it's a testament to the character and the writing, mm. but that's, that's very atypical. Yeah, that's true. But let's get into our first, like our favorite scenes. Like we are talking about the scenes, like we talked about playing football, all this, like, let's get into the first one of Forrest and being in boot camp. God, what's your sole purpose in this army? To do whatever you tell me, drill sergeant. God damn it, Gump. You're a goddamn genius. That's the most outstanding answer I've ever heard. You must have a goddamn IQ of 160. You are goddamn gifted, Private Gump. Why did you put that weapon together so quickly, Gump? You told me to, your sergeant. Jesus H. Christ. This is a new company record. If it wouldn't be a waste of such a damn fine enlisted man, I'd recommend you for OCS, Private Gump. You are going to be a general someday, Gump. Now, disassemble your weapon and continue. When you were picking out the scenes, I was, like, assuming that all the famous scenes would be in this, like, 
Bubba talking about all the different types of ways you can cook shrimp. And then when you had this one, I was just like, oh, this is a really good scene. You know, I kind of try not to, unless it's like really important, I try not to pick the basic bitch stuff that everybody knows. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, Gump goes from the army, then he gets hurt and he plays ping pong for a while. Then when he gets out of that, he sort of does like a promo promo tour for the army. Like they send him to Washington, D.C. to receive a medal. And he's sort of like a spokesperson, an ambassador for the war effort. And that's when he sort of like reconnects with Lieutenant Dan, who's moved to New York City. And he's in a wheelchair now and his uh, beard is all grown out and he sort of looks like a hobo. And Gump and Lieutenant Dan pick up these two floozies at some you know, New Year's party. Mm. And then Lieutenant Dan has this has this moment where he sort of confides in Gump that like this isn't what was supposed to happen to him. He wasn't supposed to be like this. He was he's supposed to die in that war. And now he's just a shell of himself. And the whole world is shit and he doesn't believe anything. And it just seems like Lieutenant Dan's fallen off a cliff. Mm. You know, Gump's not like that. And so Gump decides to honor Bubba, his friend who passed away in Vietnam, by following in his footsteps in the shrimping business, because that's what they talked about during boot camp and all that. So he goes and buys Bubba's shrimp goat for shrimp boat from his family, from his ping pong money. And he starts shrimping on this piece of shit boat out in the bayou. And Lieutenant Dan shows up in his wheelchair and agrees to be Gump's first mate. Mm, yes, he does. And I will set the scene, like set it up like Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are having a hell of a time catching shrimp. Like they're just, they not, they're not catching anything. They're pulling up trash. They're thinking that they made like a really bad decision to do this. And then. Cause the shrimping atmosphere, like the climate of shrimp boats was overcrowded. If I could, if I could steal a phrase from the Newton boys, six tits, seven piggies is, was the problem. Like, and they were the seventh piggy trying to shrimp in this bayou. But then there's this nasty ass storm that comes along. Lieutenant Dan's going through a spiritual reawakening. Lieutenant Dan's out there like kind of measuring himself against the elements. He's not afraid of anything anymore. He thought he was going to die in the war. So if like he dies out in a shrimp boat, he doesn't give a shit. So he's out there. They're like the only shrimp boat that stay out and fish and like deal with the storm. And somehow they make it and all the other shrimp boats get fucked up. And so then like shrimping is amazing and they just, they're catching shrimp left and right and they become, they grow the business and they become like shrimp tycoons. And then they open Bubba Gumps all over the world. And that's the beginning of like sort of these like clever little homages to the real world, you know, that, mm. that starts coming around this time in the movie. Like suddenly like Bubba Gump shrimp is like a real thing. And obviously it's not from these characters, but the writer worked it in that way. Mm -hmm. They both get very wealthy, like millionaires from the shrimping business and to the point where they don't have to do anything anymore. And and then so since Forrest Gump doesn't really have to work anymore, he lives out Brennan's dream of being a full-time cross-country runner. He became the, you know, like the the figure of cross-country and running. And he started jogging, right? Is that, that's the, that's they're trying to portray in the movie, at least, is that he started that craze. I really wish this did happen in real life. Someone would do this and like, I don't, no one did this, so. You think you wish somebody would run across well, the country like that. two and a half times? Yeah. Why don't you do it? You're the best runner we know. I've considered it. Yeah. There's a lot Maybe of. Maybe you should do north south instead of east west. <laughs> <laughs> like run from uh, Bellingham to San Diego. 
Maybe I'll do it. I'll, you know, I'll probably do it someday, Adam. You know, I do and try to do enough of I, these things. So, I'm sure it'll get easier as you get older. Yeah. It, yeah, he becomes a cross-country runner. And then the, isn't this like the transition of the movie to like w the end of it? Like this is basically now where he gets off the bench and he gets on the bus, right? The movie really does transition. It's getting to the end. He like he's kind of done telling his story to all these different people that are sitting on this bus bench with him. And then somebody like points out, hey, buddy, you don't have to wait for a bus all day. Like the address you're looking to go is like right down the road. And he's like, okay. And it's like a dude that literally like runs across the continent a couple of times. So he decides to just jog over to Ginny's house. Ginny 2.0. Ginny that's been through the ringer. You know, you know that girl from high school that was like, she was kind of slutty and she was hot, but she was like crazy and stupid and she did drugs. Then you like see her as a classroom and she's like kind of chubby and her hair is short and she has like some like, you know, middle class job and, and she, her priorities have changed. Like that's Ginny. It is Ginny. I have a big issue with this transition in the movie. The movie starts with him on the bench and then it like transitions from the third half of this or the third act, I guess you would say, to him now meeting his son, marrying Ginny. All this stuff happens, and then I just feel like the movie could have just been, he could have just met Jenny, and the movie could have ended. I just feel like it, it's weird that this doesn't end there. Like, that has to go on so much further. That was That's my beef with the movie. Oh, that's interesting. Like, like he, sh he meets Jenny, and she has his son, and that's the end? Like, the whole movie is, takes place on this bench. He's telling stories from his life, and then, like, the end of this movie should just have ended, like, really close to that, like, of him being on the bench. And like, that's where the movie ends. It didn't need to go on into this whole thing about Jenny dying, him putting his son on the bus. Like it didn't have to end like that. It just seems like they just added too much to, to have closure. Probably just didn't test well or whatever Hollywood does. Obviously, you know, this movie's too long. So like they could have shaved 20 minutes of this movie to not have that be in it. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't really, I, I like, I like the way your brain is working on this. I like, I agree that it could have all been on the bench. I don't know if that would have been more satisfying. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll think about that a little bit. But as Brennan said, he finds out he's a dad. And Ginny's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I know. Remember that one time that I let you have sex with me out of pity? Well, I got pregnant. And this is this is the kid. And like Forrest, noble as he is, the first thing he's concerned about is, is like, is little Forrest like him? Is he slow? Mm. And Ginny's like, probably like, no, he's really bright. He's one of the sharpest in his class, which made me think, okay, Gump's not the dad. <laughs> like she totally like, that's the hepatitis C guy's kid who's like a deadbeat and won't give child support. And she's doing what's best for little Forrest by tricking, you know, the idiot do you think that is really true it's a, like, it's a fan theory of mine i mean i don't i don't actually i mean i don't think that's what winston groom wrote but i mean i let me tell you what if if i didn't if i if this was just a story you were telling me about like a friend you know oh yeah you know my idiot friend Forrest. yeah it turns out he's got some kid from this girl who died of hepatitis c it's like yeah she just showed up one day and was like yeah this is your kid i'd be like okay mm. that smells like bullshit yeah when you say it like that it does it really it seems like something that Happens all the time. Especially before blood tests. Especially before DNA tests, yes. <laughs> that's that, that's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, so the movie closes out and Jenny's like dying and uh, Force is like she's sleeping all the time and she says she has some sort of illness and they don't know what's wrong with her. And then like, it's like a funeral scene all of a sudden. Like they're burying her. I'm like, oh, she's dead. You yeah. know, Jenny's dead. She she's dead. It's it's really sad. And it's just Forrest and his his new little son, Little Forrest. And uh, they read Curious George, and he puts him on the bus in Alabama with the same bus driver. And Little Forrest goes to school, and that's the end. And 
I don't know. I thought I thought the ending was fine. It's like the circle of life. Like Forrest Gump is trying to be the good dad yeah. to his son, like his mom was to him. I yeah. They could just end the movie with him being with Jenny and. I think you just hated her dying and the whole. I AIDS don't. Thing. I don't even really like Robin Wright. Like everyone's really like loves Robin Wright. Like I don't really care for her. I've never really liked her in anything. I don't like her in Princess Bride. I don't really. She's never. What about this? She's never done any like done much for me. Like even House of Cards. I don't really care. So so what are you saying that you you that the argument is because you don't like her. It's not because she died that you don't like the ending because you would like the idea of Robin Wright dying. Is that what you're saying? No, it's not that. I just don't like the. I just don't like her, the character. Let's get into the production history of this movie. I think that's a little bit more interesting than where we're going. All right. Well, the screenplay was written by a guy named Eric Roth, who wrote Burton's favorite movie, The Postman. He also wrote Ali, Benjamin Button, and he wrote the new Dune movie. Um, so he's been working for a long time, I and mean, that's I and mean, that's twenty five years of uh, of work there. Um, th- we said earlier that the the screenplay was based on a novel by Winston Groom. Groom has said that he envisioned Forrest Gump as like a hardened man. And he envisioned someone like John Goodman for the role. Yeah. But uh, the film version of Gump was also much less of a savant. Like uh, the book Gump had more like crazy rain man qualities about him. Mm. Yeah, you're right. The, the only savant qualities that like Forrest has was the like playing table tennis. Yeah, he could play table tennis. He could put guns together, and he had mm-hmm. he had it. Well, you you can speak to this. He had incredible lung capacity, right, to mm-hmm. run like he did. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he's very. Uh, that's not a. I don't think that's a, a savant thing. No, but it's a, it's a skill you have to develop. So the movie was directed by Robert Zemeckis, one of the one of the best in the '90s. He did well. This isn't '90s again, but he had done Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Death Becomes Her the movie Contact, and he also did Cast Away with Hanks. He also wrote and directed all the Back Back to the Future movies, which he's probably most famous for, Mm -hmm. that and Forrest Gump, anyway. So, I mean, pretty much A-list, A-list, A-list for cast, writer, director. Barry Sonnenfeld was attached to direct the movie, but he left to go direct Adam's Family Values, which I mentioned because you guys can check out our Adam's Family Values podcast in our library. That's the production history. Let's get on to dumb shit. Dumb shit. So the quote, stupid is as stupid does. What does that mean to you, Brennan Pointer? I don't know what it means. The prep, I kind of looked up the answer to kind of get the meaning behind it. And when I learned the meaning, it makes sense. But like, to me, I, it means nothing to me. Like I don't ever, it didn't make mean anything to me then, doesn't mean anything to me now. But when you find the actual meaning behind it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Were you going to share it with us? Or are you just going to sit on all that cold knowledge? <laughs> well, I wanted to let you know my reaction. The meaning apparently is that a person should be judged by his actions. So if you're stupid, then that's then that's how you're judged. And so I think that's kind of the point of, I mean, Forrest is portrayed as being stupid. And I mean, he's being judged like that, but that's not who he is. So, okay, I get it. So you, the the content of his character, not his not his IQ score. Yes. Okay. Okay, that's a good explanation. And then lastly, we have to settle an age-old debate. God. Did Jenny have hepatitis C or AIDS? At the end of the movie it ends in the mid-80s, right? Like that's like the time yeah, frame. Around there. I think they're going for that she's that she died from AIDS just because of what was going on in America at that time, but I don't I don't think it matters. Well, it certainly doesn't matter. I mean, it is a really weird debate, like that people are want to like go on message boards and like debate. It's not. Yeah, it, it, people, <laughs> that's, people debate over dumber shit than that on message boards. <laughs> so the novel, it was hepatitis C. Mm. The movie comes out in 1994, which is like 
what four years after Magic Johnson's announcement. Right. So like HIV AIDS awareness was a really big deal. Mm -hmm. If I was a studio producer, I would I would agree to leave it vague. You right. know what I mean? Like let them let let either party think it. I mean, it doesn't really matter. They're both like immunodeficiency disorders, right? So like either one of them, like we understand mm -hmm. what happened and they're they're sexually transmitted or whatever. So what what was always a little confusing was how come Forrest didn't catch hepatitis C or AIDS? Well, I mean, that doesn't always get passed to the children of parents with HIV or hepatitis c so like that doesn't always happen. but in 1994 if you had sex with somebody with aids even once you were dying of aids like that was the common mm. thought that was and a common so thought yeah it it was always confusing at the time that okay she just died of aids why doesn't forrest gump have aids mm. Mm. and why doesn't little forrest have aids to your point right i mean i guess that is true like they obviously they didn't get into that for a multiple reasons mul mul mostly because i think this movie's already going too long and they don't want to make it end like that well speaking of going too long this movie was 142 minutes which i've i've said over and over again i don't like movies to be more than two hours long now this is an epic drama about a man's life and i love this movie but still two hours and 22 minutes is a little long brennan mentioned he, he could have been about 20 minutes less i agree with that maybe 15 it's only 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I thought seemed a little low for Forrest Gump. What do you think? Yeah, that is really low. I mean, this movie won the Academy Award for Best Picture, and typically those are well-reviewed movies back in the 90s at least. Yeah, I don't I don't really care, but like yeah, that, that's that seems strange. I feel like everyone loved this movie in the 90s. But the audience score is 95%, so for what it's worth. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? I feel like we've been a little disjointed today for some reason, but if, if you got any final thoughts, let's get them out. No, I disagree. I think this has been our best podcast ever. I think we're, I'm going to edit this together and it's going to, you're going to be amazed at how great it sounds. Well, you are a, the super producer. That's Brennan's role in our little tag team. I, my role is to talk and say offensive things. Brennan puts it together and makes it makes me seem like a little bit less of an asshole when you read the final cut. And uh, if you guys think that we're likable assholes, you can give us those five-star reviews that we're asking for on Apple iTunes Music. We'd also love it if you reach out to us. Give us some connectivity. We want to know about you. We want to know what 90s topics you're interested in, what you like. Tell us about your experience with Forrest Gump. Did you watch it in the theater? Did you watch it with your stepdad? I don't know. Um, but watch us at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. Twitter, at super90sbrothers, at spocastpods adampitzler.com i don't know is, is that it bud you got anything else no i i think yeah i go watch force cup i was gonna say that we did this movie because we're getting into award season and uh i wanted to do, do an academy award winning movie and uh maybe we'll do another one soon so good 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 thought there so for burning pointer i am adam j pitzler this has been another whopper of an episode of super 90s bros Forrest Gump style. And remember, if your childhood crush shows up with a random kid she claims is yours after you only hit it one time, always get a blood test and an AIDS test. Peace. <laughs>